Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, January 18th, 2013. There is no theme today. I could there I couldn't make a theme out of this if I tried. another one of those theological oatmeals against the wall type programs thank you for tuning in you're listening to fighting for the faith my name is chris rosebro i am your servant in jesus christ and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. And one of the primary reasons for this is that we have people teaching in the church who are not qualified to teach. That's just plain and simple. They don't meet the biblical qualifications, or worse, they actually... Um, they are against, they, they, in their own body represent people who are actually who the Bible prohibits from teaching. And as a result of it, we have messages that are being taught that shouldn't be taught things being said about God that aren't true. We've got people out there claiming that they're taking ground for the kingdom of God with false doctrine, false gospels, a false Jesus, false hopes, narcissistic eisegesis, as they say in the movie Ghostbusters, uh, cats and dogs living together. It's just mayhem out there. So what this program strives to do is help you to learn how to slow down, pause the tape, open your Bible, uh, tape, I'm showing my age, Oh, pause the MP3. You know, you grow up in the 70s and 80s and things like this still occur even into your older age. Anyway, but pause the tape. No, the, the, the MP3. Stop. Compare what people are saying to God's word. Is that what God's word really says? Is that why God inspired these biblical authors to write these things. If not, then what's happening is you're being taught false doctrine. So we, we try to help you to spot those people whom Jesus warned about. False Christ, false prophets, false teachers. You know, Remember when the disciples came to Jesus. In fact, let me, you know, this is a passage we review from time to time here. Let me pull up my computerized Bible. Um, When the disciples came to Jesus and, and, you know, were asking about the end times, okay, 
Um, what's funny is, is that their, que- <laughs> their question squishes a few categories together because in the Jewish way of thinking, um, the destruction of the temple, well, that would be the, well, the end of the world, okay? And so uh, in the Olivet Discourse, which you can find in Matthew 24, you have a question that squishes two categories, but for the disciples, they didn't see it as that uh, at the time. And so Jesus' answer squishes a couple of categories together, too, I think intentionally, because, well, you got to remember that um, the, the physical temple in Jerusalem, you know, that used to sit on the Temple Mount, the one that was literally scraped off the Temple Mount by the Romans um, in 70 AD, um, that was a shadow. It was a type and shadow, and Jesus is the reality. Jesus is the Temple, okay? So, uh, anyway, if you get that, okay, and and this is what Jesus said. Remember when Jesus, in the Gospel of John, he goes uh, into Jerusalem, and uh, in the Gospel of John, his first account where he scatters the uh you know the money changers makes a cord of uh you know a cord a, a whip into a whip and then scatters everybody and t- get, tells them you know how dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace you know that's the roseboro paraphrase but what happens is is that the jews come to jesus and they ask a very legitimate question of jesus by what authority are you doing these things because here's the deal the temple in ancient times um, you know, that sat there on the Temple Mount, that's the very house of God, if you would. Um, the Nobody who's a human has the authority to do what Jesus did. So they ask a legitimate question of Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? And Jesus says to them, tear down this temple and I will build it again in three days. And they respond, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to build it again in three days? And then John says something very, very interesting. He says, the temple Jesus was referring to was the temple of his body. In fact, if you think about why the temple existed in the first place, it was the place, well, of prayer and sacrifice sacrifice uh, for the Day of Atonement, sacrifice for sins, for cleansing. Uh, it, it really physically, visibly showed what a bloody mess it is to clean up sin, right? Well, all of that, all of that was pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the real temple. You know, that's what we got to kind of get this in, in our heads here. But Matthew 24, the, you know, Jesus says this, and starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But Jesus answered them, you see all of these, do you not? Well, truly I say to you, there will not be here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And that is exactly what happened. That is exactly, when the Romans in 70 AD besieged Jerusalem, finally you know, made their breach through the wall, got in there and just slaughtered so many people. I mean, it was just a mess. They get to the Temple Mount and they initially burned it. And what ended up happening is, is that the gold in the temple, and there was, you know, you got this was an ornate religious building. There was literal gold. The gold in the temple began to flow like a river and it got kind of, it, it seeped into the cracks, uh, you know, in, into the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the separations between the different stones. 
And, uh, well, the Romans were so good at making sure that not any of that gold would go to waste, that they wanted it, that they ended up not only tearing the entire temple apart to get to that gold, they ended up throwing it into a heap off of one of the sides of the Temple Mount. In fact, the, the, this temple that Jesus you know, is speaking about, or was speaking about at that time, it sits in ruins off to one of the sides of the Temple Mount to this very day. Okay, So Jesus, he called it. And you're going, well, how did he do that? It's simple. He's God. He knows the future, right? So you see, he says, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be uh, left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? There's um, two major categories kind of all squished together. Now, you got to understand, for a first century Jew, the idea of the destruction of the temple, well, that would be the end of the world because then nobody's sins could be uh, addressed. You see what I'm saying? But see, the thing is, is that Jesus is the temple, the real temple that that old building points to. Okay, so Jesus doesn't care to tease out, you know, the fact that they're asking a couple of different questions. And so his answer ends up threading two different themes together into one with it actually go together. Here's what he says. See that no one leads you astray. First thing out of his mouth. First thing out of Jesus's mouth. Okay, Jesus could have said anything. Okay. But, you know, it, so the sign of Christ coming, the end of the age, when, when is all this? So the first thing that Jesus says, see to it that no one leads you astray. You could translate that, by the way, as to deceive you. Uh, the, the Greek uh, verb there, planao, it, 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 you could literally translate it, see to it that no one deceives you. Here's what he says. For many will come in my name, many will come in my name. Okay, so Jesus' first warning about the end times, okay, and his imminent return is that don't be deceived. There's going to be a whole bunch of people. It's many of them are going to come to you in my name saying, I am the Messiah. I'm the anointed one, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars, rumors of war. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes, various places. All of these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation to put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and then hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray because of lawlessness, uh, because lawlessness will be increased. Um, the, uh, the love of many will grow cold, uh, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Got it? First thing out of Jesus' mouth, the most important thing, off, people are, argue this way, okay? The thing he leads off with is the most important one. Don't be deceived. Many are going to come in my name who are false teachers, false prophets, false Christ, false messiahs, okay? And they're going to try to lead you astray, okay? They are not agents of Christ, but they're going to come to you under the moniker of Christ, I'm here by the name of Jesus. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. I, you know, we're all about Jesus. But then when you listen to their message and you open up your Bible and you begin to compare, you go, you know, there's something odd here. It 
he says the word Jesus, and then the things that come out of his mouth, I can't find that in my Bible. And the Bible passages that he's quoting to me, when I put them back in context, you know, maybe three or four verses ahead, three or four verses behind, that's not what these, these passages are saying at all. And you go, oh, yeah. Because remember, Jesus called it, okay? He nailed it regarding the fact that every stone of the, of the temple complex of his day would be thrown down. And every, not, there's not one of them up there. Every single stone of the temple was scraped off the temple mount. He called it. Which also means that he's he's calling it, if you will, uh, regarding what to expect in the last days. Okay, Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. Okay, he Satan. I mean, you could say that yes, Satan wants to destroy your marriage and things like that. But really, he he's shooting for something far deeper than that. Okay, Satan doesn't want to just destroy your marriage or your finances and things like that or whatever. Satan wants you on the last day to hear from Jesus, depart from me, I never knew you. Okay, Satan wants you to join him in the lake of fire. He wants you to be eternally condemned, eternally destroyed in the lake of fire where the fire is never quenched, where the worm doesn't die, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's Satan's goal for you. Okay, and the way he's going to attempt to pull this feat off, if you're a Christian or if you're somebody who attends church, is by feeding you a bunch of lies posing as Christian doctrine. Remember, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Got it? He's not a wolf in wolf's clothing. He's got he's he doesn't want to startle the sheep. He wants the sheep to be comfortable with him before he devours them. You get it? That's how it works. So what we try to do here is we try to teach you how to spot the wolf, how to test the fruit of someone's teaching, which, by the way, is their doctrine. And that way, you can not only be inoculated, know what the truth is, know how to defend yourself with it, but you can do the loving thing and warn your neighbor. Tell you, Warn your friends. Warn your, Now, listen, this is, this is dicey business. You start telling a friend of yours or a family member that, uh, listen, that church you're going to, that pastor of yours, he he's twisting God's word. The first thing out of their mouths, the first thing they might do to you is want to knock your block off, okay? Speaking the truth is dangerous and dicey business, but don't let that, don't let that worry you. Go ahead and do what is necessary, even if it's necessary to suffer shame for the name of the truth. Don't let your friends and family members be dragged into the lake of fire without you ankle tackling them and doing everything in your power to help them see the truth and to preach the gospel to them, to help open their eyes and free them from the danger that they are currently in. All right. Now, that's our opening thought here for today. What we're going to do today, I told you at the opening of the program this episode of Fighting for the Faith is <laughs> is there's there's no hope for it having a theme. No hope at all. It's, it's <laughs> this is some crazy stuff. 
So, um, but let's put it this way. We'll kind of break it up into a couple of different uh, pieces here for today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. As I tweeted out earlier today and sent out a message on Facebook, um, we will be premiering, it'll be the new world premiere of William Tapley's latest hit single. Yeah, and the name of it is The D.I.A. And D.I.A., mean it doesn't mean dead on arrival or you know well actually would doa would be yeah. it dia is denver international airport if you have followed william tapley's channel for any length of time or seen any of the media coverage regarding william tapley he who <laughs> ground zero for him for this coming new world order and and the terrible things that are about to be unleashed on the earth via the leopard and the I forget all the, the, the zoo animals that he uses in his prophetic insights. But but the ground zero for all of this is the Denver International Airport. The Denver International Airport. So William Tapley's new hit single, which kind of sounds polka-ish to me, um, is is entitled The DIA. And so we're going to be premiering that shortly here. Um, and then we're going to switch gears. We've got a Patricia King update entitled The Power of Intentionality. This is a perfect example of pseudo-Bible teaching, not real Bible teaching. Um, I, I want to make a quick comment about this year's Code Orange revival. If you remember last year, about this time, um, we were in full-blown... Um, you, you know, like wall-to-wall daily coverage of uh, Stephen Furtick's 12-day-long Code Orange revival, um, which I dubbed the uh, the Heresy Olympics. Okay, and if, in fact, at the end of the Heresy Olympics, the Code Orange revival last year, um, you know, we a- actually had a, a, an awards ceremony and gave out medals to uh, the different uh, the different competitors for the Code Orange revival. If you're not familiar with that, go to the archives of Fighting for the Faith to January of 2012 and listen to the coverage of the Code Orange Revival. Now, that was, I got to tell you, that was a very exhausting 12 days for me. Um, The reason being is because each of the uh, Code Orange Revival sessions was in the evening, and because I had to be able to comment on it, 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 it required me to actually watch it live every single night and oh what a mess that was anyway um it it was quite the uproar though there was a lot of controversy there was a lot of listeners on fighting for the uh, fighting for the faith who were commenting sending links to on uh, the code orange revival hashtag uh that was on uh, twitter and and you know there i mean i mean it was a zoo is what it really was and what i find interesting in fact i'll go ahead and make the comment now <laughs> I'll make the comment now. What I find interesting about the Code Orange revival for this year is it's called Code Orange Underground. Now, that means it is an invitation-only event, and they're not broadcasting it live on the World Wide Web like they did last year. I consider that to be a personal victory, or at least a victory for the truth, because here's the reason why. Yes, Stephen Furtick this year is having the Code Orange revival, but... It's by invitation only, and what that means is is that this year, uh, all of the media circus and frenzy and interest about Code Orange, um, well, it, that's been cut off because it's a secret event. 
you have to be invited to be in attendance. And if you're not invited, you can't be in attendance. And if you're if you can't attend or watch online, well, that means you can't be exposed to the heresy. Now he's invited some rather uh, colorful her- heretical people again, Jensen Franklin and others. But um, the good news is is that the church, for the most part, this year is being spared, being spared. Um, the heresy, uh, you know, uh, coming out of Code Orange revival. So I consider it a personal victory that whatever happened last year, um, it not only wore me out, but I think it also wore Stephen Furtick out. So as a result of it, he's taken the whole thing underground. Well, he can keep it underground as far as I'm concerned, as long as he wants. But <laughs> I'm kind of hoping he does that for like forever. He never brings it out and exposes the uh, the church at large again to all of the nonsense that uh, was the Code Orange revival. And the big story last year was uh, Stephen Furtick's complete, you know, anger blow up at Matt Chandler, who really preached the gospel and preached the truth, uh, long gospel, sin and grace, repentance, the forgiveness of sins, and even took a full-on shot at Stephen Furtick's favorite Bible-twisting technique, also known as narcissistic eisegesis. He didn't call it that, but he described it and proved that it was absolutely a wrong way to handle God's Word. And literally, Stephen Furtick blew a gasket, blew a gasket when that happened. I mean, no sooner did Chandler you know, finish that, you know, that um, Furtick was like, prowling on the stage and you can tell he was ready to have words with Matt Chandler and sure enough that night during what would normally be the rebroadcast of the revival overnight what they were doing is is that they would have it live and then every you know like at 10 o'clock midnight and three in the morning they would rebroadcast the uh the uh, that night's uh message you know from the revival and sure enough, that night, Stephen Furtick yanked. He literally yanked uh, the Matt Chandler sermon, and uh, it disappeared. I mean, it was as if you know Chandler was persona non grata, and it just disappeared. That was the big story, and, and actually, I broke that the next day. But wow, that was quite a mess. So I'm very happy that uh, this year the Code Orange revival has gone underground. As far as I'm concerned, it can stay under any old rock it wants underground. I'm very happy that they're not exposing the the church at large to that nonsense. But that then talks that then leads us to what we're going to talk about a little bit today is that Planet Shakers out in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, we've talked about them. In fact, I've done a, a sermon review of uh, Russell Evans from Planet Shakers back in October of last year. Well, they're having their uh, Limitless concert uh, concert conference uh, at the Rock Church in San Diego. It, it started last night, it goes on tonight, and uh, and then tomorrow. And uh, over the weekend, I may, I may uh, end up spending some time, you know, kind of listening in and see what they're they're talking about. But we're gonna take a look at. Um, Russell Evans's appearance on the Huckabee Show to talk about his conference, and then normally on Fridays we do a good sermon review. But because of the Planet Shakers conference, I'm going to do a, a Russell Evans sermon review. Uh, his sermon entitled uh, "2013: A Year of Breakthrough," and uh, try to get this out, you know, out on YouTube and out on the Fighting for the Faith website as a means of having a resource available on the internet to warn people who are attending Planet Shaker's Limitless concert uh, conference to let them know that uh, Russell Evans and Planet Shakers, these folks are not good exegetes who bring you the biblical gospel and teach the truth. They are of the same ilk 
as well, you know, Brian Houston, Perry Noble, and and others who you know twist God's word and narcissistically eisegete the passages and make them about you rather than proclaiming Christ. So that's what we're going to be doing on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend that you take every necessary precaution to protect yourself from what it is that you are about to hear next on Fighting for the Faith. And because it's so uh, bizarre, I feel that it's important that I play our um, standard warning. Here we go. Warning, fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinew nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. That's right, time for our William Tampley update. That's our William Tapley, Third Eagle of the Apocalypse, and co-prophet of the End Times update music. And as a service to uh, William Tapley to help him get his <clears throat> prophetic mess- messages out to a wider audience, from time to time we engage in what I call audience enhancement services here at Fighting for the Faith. And uh, you know, the idea is is that uh, some of these folks, like William Tapley, Patricia King, and others. You know, our audience is larger than his audience or their audiences. And so what we try to do is help them get their message out to a broader audience by um, featuring um, what it is they're saying and doing here at Fighting for the Faith. This would be one of those times. Now, if you've listened for any length of time, then you know that we religiously, and I mean it that way, we religiously cover every new song that William Tapley records and posts on the Internet. He has mad Casio skills like you would. In fact, I don't think there's anyone out there who has quite mastered the Casio like William Tapley has. And when you take his mad Casio skills and combine them with his um, bizarre um, focus on the Denver International Airport, well, as far as I'm concerned, 
That's Radio Gold. So without any further ado, here is the world premiere of William Tapley's latest hit single entitled The DIA, which stands for, by the way, the Denver International Airport. Here we go. Let's take a trip to the DIA. Check out the guillotine, ain't it gay? The next thing you know, they're gonna chop your head. Cause the New World Order wants to see you dead. The New World Order has an evil plan. They say we're overpopulated in our land. Abortion, euthanasia, whatever leaves you dead. Are what these evil people call holy sacraments. Oh my! By the way, the that the thing that sounds like gunfire—he—that's not gunfire. That's fireworks exploding behind him because he's doing so well on his green screen work lately. Let's take a trip to the DIA. Check out the devil horse, ain't it gay? The sculptor showed Lucifer was rearing up, but the horse fell apart, knocked him on his butt. The sculptor died, or so the story goes. It wasn't happy pain that blew from tail to nose. So if you go to Denver, don't fly by aeroplane. Or else the demon horse may kill someone again. At least the tune is upbeat. Let's take a trip to the DIA. Check out the dirty bird. Ain't it gay? The penguins got packets just like Cooper said. And its name is Impenis, I wouldn't kid. Now Stephen Colbert, he's another dunce. They never can refute me, no, not even once. All they can do is mock me and try to get me pissed. So Anderson can keep me on his ridiculous. Take a trip to the DIA. Check out the voodoo word, ain't it gay? And just below that is Jesus' last supper. Except the Lord is a girl, yeah, the joke's on her. So blasphemy and porn are on display. The artists try to hide it, but it's plain as day. They so much preach a gospel that death and sin are fine. When it's in an airport, they really cross the line. Let's take a trip to the DIA. Check out the Russia map. Ain't it gay? And here we see birthing of the Antichrist. And the leopard is dead. It's been sacrificed. These murals are a mockery of art. The artists try to fool us that they're oh so smart. They think their crimes are hidden 
and we won't see their guilt. But I am here to tell you their beans have all been spilt. Wasn't that great? <clears throat> if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or <laughs> previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so by email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Yeah, don't send me things saying, now that song's stuck in my head. Well, it's stuck in mine too, you know. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got Patricia King and Planet Shakers. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. When he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Jesus wasn't looking for affirmation. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. Customer service. This is Josh. How can I help you today? Yes, I would like the return that Jesus I received from you. I heard there was a 60-day return policy. Yes, sir, there is. But can I ask you why you want to return Jesus? Well, I was told if I received Jesus, he'd fix all my problems. And quite honestly, I'm not satisfied with this Jesus. Sir, what is your Jesus doing right now? Nothing. He just sits there. Have you taken time to feed your Jesus? Well, I went to church for the preaching, but nothing has happened. Sir, if you read the fine print on the warranty, you'll see that you are responsible for feeding, not the church or the pastor. Oh. Well, can I exchange this Jesus for another? Sir, what kind of Jesus are you looking for? I need the Jesus that forgives sins. You know, changes your life on the inside, helps you overcome the sins of the flesh, never leaves me nor forsakes me, and will take me to heaven when I die. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We don't stock that Jesus here. You'll have to go somewhere else to have that Jesus. Well, I guess I'll just stick with the one I got since I already opened the box. Wonderful, sir. Can I interest you in getting Jesus for your friends and family? Why would I do that? You can register now for the 10th annual Branson Worldview Weekend in beautiful Branson, Missouri, Friday night, April 26th, Saturday, April 27th, and Sunday morning, April 28th, 2013. Full details are at worldviewweekend.com forward slash Branson. That's worldviewweekend.com forward slash Branson. Speakers this year will include Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis. We'll also have speaking with us for the first time his son-in-law, Bodie Hodge, along with Pastor Jesse Johnson, a regular guest here on Worldview Weekend 
Radio. We'll also be joined by Chris Pinto with a brand new presentation. Mike Gendron will also bring a new presentation, as will Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. We'll also be joined this year for the first time at a Branson Worldview Weekend by Jason Carlson and Jared Carlson. We'll also be joined for the first time in a conference setting by Carl Tykrib. Full details at worldviewweekend.com. We have a family rate and group rate. You can go ahead and purchase your tickets now and receive priority upfront seating when you purchase your tickets now at worldviewweekend.com forward slash Branson. And join us April 26, 27, and 28 in Branson, Missouri. The spring and summer travel seasons are just around the corner. And the last thing you want to do is pay more for your airfare, hotel, and rental car than you need to. That's why Pirate Christian Radio is proud to have Cheapo Air as one of our featured advertisers. Cheapo Air has over 18 million flight deals, low airfare guarantees, and 85,000 negotiated hotel rates around the globe. And if you visit our website piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. We have a promo code that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code, click on the web banner, and book your spring or summer travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase at Cheapo Air will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That web address again is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Thank you for your support. If you think Patricia King is a sound biblical teacher, I hate to break it to you, she's the farthest thing from it. She's one of the people Jesus warned us about. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith, this is listener-supported radio. Are you a member of our crew yet? Well, if not, then visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you will see our two friendly yellow buttons. One of them says, join our crew. Let me tell you about that button. You click on it, you fill out the information, and what you're doing is signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to support Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. Why? Because the more people that join our crew, the more it levels out our giving and helps take out some of the peaks and valleys in our giving which makes it so we don't have to worry about some of the leaner months. I'm, at this point, you can tell them what I'm trying to do is get a lot of people to join the crew so that our summer season isn't as uh, sparse as <laughs> last year was. Anyway, the, so that's the idea. Join our crew, $6.95 every month. It automatically comes out of your account. Um, it's not a lot of money. You're talking about two cups of coffee at Starbucks, although those are expensive cups of coffee, you know, or six you know cups of coffee at a, at a truck stop, which is what I prefer. But... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a great way to support us. If you're not already a member of our crew, please join our crew, especially if you're benefiting from fighting for the faith, enjoying the teaching, um, and learning really how to open up your Bible, compare what people are saying in the, na- in the name of God to the Word of God. It's a great way to support us, and by supporting us, you're making its resource available not only to you in the long run, but also to your friends, family, and folks like that. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you do that by clicking on the donate button or make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send that 
that to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Moving along today here. Have you ever considered the power of intentionality? Yeah, I've never heard of it myself either. But don't worry, Patricia King, has, she has this proclivity for finding things in God's Word that ain't there. Yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. Listen in, here's Patricia King telling us about the power of intentionality. Hi there. I want to talk about the subject of the power of intentionality. And uh, so for today's devotion, um, I want us to look, first of all, at Genesis chapter 1. So would the opposite teaching of this be the destruction of unintentionality? (sighs) When God created the heavens and the earth... He did so with intentionality. He yeah, yeah, it wasn't an accident. <gasps> wow. <laughs> what, what kind of teaching is this? By the way, did you all know that the Gnostics, the, you know, the, the uh, ancient uh, heresy known as Gnosticism, they taught that matter, that, you know, that you can, you know, the knock on word thing, you know, matter, things that you can touch, feel, you know, the, the, the things that comprise the atoms in your body. That was all an accident. It was an unintentional thing. Uh, the, the demiurge messed up, apparently, and then pfft, now there's matter everywhere, and it's bad, you know. So, I, I, <laughs> hi, yi. So apparently the big takeaway from Genesis chapter 1 is that God was acting with intentionality. By the way, this is a pseudo-teaching. Let's continue with this. An intention to create. You can't accomplish anything if you don't have intention. If you just wait for everything to happen, you know, sometimes it might. I mean, seriously. Okay, do you know anybody on this planet who literally spends their entire day sitting waiting for something to happen because they're incapable of acting intentionally i don't know anybody who does that i mean for instance i mean even sitting in front of the television as a couch potato isn't an act of intentionality because you you don't just accidentally unintentionally find yourself sitting in front of a television yeah i don't know how it happened you know, I I woke up this morning and I was sitting in bed and and I uh, I was waiting for something to happen and next thing you know this vortex opened up in my bedroom and I got sucked into it and and ne- next thing you know I found myself downstairs in front of the television and I don't know how it happened. And, and then of course, you know, then I I needed to use the restroom and and uh, <laughs> yeah, for those of you out there worried about the destructive forces of unintentionality, Patricia King here is to is to help us. She's helping us unleash the power of intentionality because you can't do anything in life unless you do it intentionally. <laughs> wow, this is deep. Sometimes it won't, but it has no order to it. And so it says in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He did. This is correct. The earth was formless and void. In other words, it had no structure. It had no um, uh, order to it. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. So he intentionally created inside of this environment where there was no order, he created order. 
yeah, that the whole st- <laughs> the whole story totally presupposes that God is sovereign, that he has a will, that he acts in accordance with his will, and that it was his will to create the heavens and the earth and everything that you see. That's like the, uh, uh-huh. He created something that wasn't there before. He intentionally put light into the darkness. I mean, seriously. I mean, this is like somebody going out into, you know, one of those cattle fields, you know, you know, we're at one of those cattle ranches and finding a large steaming pile of, you know, cattle droppings and going, look at this. This has some spiritual significance. We need to plumb the depths of this. This is so banal. And as you read through the chapter. Yeah. You see that he did that with everything. Just verse after verse, it'll tell you what he created into the earth. Yes, it says that. Make it have form to bring it into a place of order. Yeah, he's the one who did that. That's correct. It tells us what God did. Uh, That was according to his pattern and according to his design. We see other examples of this. For example, in the book of Exodus, when... God spoke to Moses and he said, Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle according to the pattern. And so it was with (laughs) an intentionality that God gave Moses a mandate to build something for him that was to be built according to the pattern. There was a plan. There was an order. Yes, there was. Now watch what she's going to do then. She's going to turn this into an application. For him. Now, I want to talk about you. Yeah, I bet you do. For this whole year, is that you can, with intentionality, create the world that you're going to live in. I can't create the world I'm going to live in. Here's the reason why the world I live in was already created by God, it's His world, it isn't mine. I didn't create it. I am a creature. I'm not God either. In this coming year, you can create with intentionality your future. Really? For example, in our little decree book that you can get online if you don't have a copy, especially our third edition of the decree. Yeah, this would be a, a book that well, promotes the same heresy as Joel Osteen's uh, book, I Declare. There's over 20 decrees of the Word of God that you can proclaim into different areas of your life. Where in the Bible does it say that I can proclaim things into different areas of my life? This sounds like, well, a magic spell. Isn't that what a magic spell is? A You decree particular words, you know? And certain things are created as a result of you speaking and decreeing those words. Hmm? Praguna, Makoides, Precorum, Satisti. Nothing happened. Yeah, it's kind of like from bed knobs and broomsticks, you know. Am I doing something wrong? Well, to tell you the truth, it does seem a bit old fashioned. After all, we are in the 20th century. What do you suggest? Well, it needs rhythm, tempo, music. As I always say, 
Do it with a flair. Yeah, if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna be, you know, declaring things, you know, and creating futures and stuff like that, I mean, do it with a flair. You know? Mind if I have a go? Oh, of course not. Now come along, you lot. We need all the help we can get. Kakuna, Macquadies, Krakorum, Satis D. Kakuna, Macquadies, Krakorum, Satis D. Macquadies, Macquadies, Beyond the wildest notion, it's a weird, so weird, and Yeah, I think uh, what Patricia King is uh, promoting sounds, well, similar to witchcraft. Now, what I do when I'm in my prayer time is I have um, a sheet of paper. It's just a eight and a half by 11 where I've, I've drawn boxes and I actually made it up on the... Um, word processing uh, thing on my computer with boxes and it's got all the different categories of areas of my life and so I'll put it on the floor and I'll just storm around it making decrees into those areas because as I speak the word with intentionality into each of those aspects of my life I'm actually creating a fortress with the word of God that will bring itself to pass within that framework mm-hmm yeah, like I said, it sounds a lot like this. I don't want no commotionary substitution or emote in transmissory convolution. Only one precise solution is the key. Substitutionary locomotion, it must be. Yep, and uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you can create your future by decreeing things. So therefore, months down the road, as I'm working within those areas of my life, I see the manifestation of what I created through my words months previously. Mm-hmm, right. This is not biblical doctrine. This is witchcraft. And so I want to continue, I want to encourage you for in this year... To create for like the next 12 months with intentionality. Think through, how would you like the next 12 months to look? How would you like this next year uh, to unfold for you? Start dreaming. Start getting some definition that, you know, some realistic goals, some realistic vision that you can have in your mind. And then once you have that clear, start with intentionality decreeing into it. For example... Let's say within the next 12 months that you want your marriage to to be filled with love and, you know, a new zest in it, um, new inspiration. Maybe you might have specific things, maybe take a trip with your, with your spouse or, you know, connect in some way that you haven't connected before. Then with intentionality, start praying into it, decreeing into it, and putting plan into that. Maybe in the next 12 months, you want your physical body to, to be brought into good health, in leanness, um, in uh, strength, being fortified. You know, you want maybe to start eating really healthy foods. Well, if that is your dream and goal, with intentionality, start making decrees into it, prayers into it, and make choices 
to bring that to pass. Because whatever you with intentionality do, it will create that realm for you. It will create what you're believing for. It could be in the area of finances. What do you want your, your finances to look like in the next 12 months? You know, do you see them in shambles or do you see them in order? Do you see them growing and flourishing or do you see them depleted? Because God can do whatever you believe for. Now, don't get all unrealistic, like make a goal and say, I'm going to be a multimillionaire. You know, because God can do whatever you dream for. Right. Yeah. This is witchcraft. By the end of this year, if you can't even pay your bills today, you know, make a realistic goal, get a vision that's realistic and obtainable. And then start praying into it with intentionality. Start making choices. Put a plan of action into place. The power of intentionality. Yeah, I don't believe in the power of intentionality or that it has something to do with Christianity. I believe in God. Intentionality is is an abstraction, whereas Jesus Christ, yeah, he's not. And all that other stuff that she was talking about, well, like I said, it's just straight up witchcraft. That's not what the Bible teaches. Pray to God. Make your petitions known to him. He may say yes. He may say no. But he's God. You are not. Moving along. From the foxnews.com website for the uh, television show called Huckabee, headline reads, Planet Shakers City Church Founders Share their mission. Now, the reason I'm uh, covering this is because, well, Planet Shakers uh, from Melbourne, Australia, and uh, Pastor Russell there, um, they've uh, come to the United States and are holding a Planet Shakers Limitless Conference Revival whatever. And um, the the problem is this, is that uh, they don't preach sound doctrine, nor do they rightly handle God's word, nor do they teach the biblical gospel. So there's all kinds of problems here. And the fact that they're getting um, this kind of media coverage for their so-called conference revival, well, it's problematic at best. Here's Huckabee to explain. Planet Shakers is a rapidly growing youth ministry from Australia, and it's getting a worldwide following. And it inspires young people to turn off the video games, get off the couch, and focus on a greater cause. Their worship experience look more like rock concerts, but they're very effective in spreading God's message to thousands. Yeah, no, they're not, because if they were effective at spreading God's message to thousands, we'd be able to go into the sermon archives for the pastors of Planet Shakers and hear them rightly handling God's Word. You see, you can't actually... Um, spread God's message or Christ's message without actually spreading Christ's message. That means you need to get the details right on what the message is. They don't. I'll demonstrate this during our sermon review today, but we continue. significant. You might feel like you're nobody, but I'm here to tell you, you and God are majority every time. All right, next weekend. Yeah, that sounded like a narcissistic message to me. Didn't it sound like a narcissistic message to you? 
San Diego, Planet Shakers will be holding their very first conference in the United States. Would you please welcome Pastor Russell Evans and his wife, Sam Evans. Thank you, Thank you guys for being here. Glad being here. Russell, you said back in 2008 that we need a generation consumed by God's presence. Get off the Xbox 360 and the Playstations. Yeah. Get off the couch. What does it mean to be consumed by God's presence? You know, I, I think of Korah's rebellion when I think of being consumed by God's presence. You all familiar with Korah's rebellion from the book of Numbers? Basically, Korah rebelled against um, Moses and Aaron and basically said, listen, God talks to everybody. Why are you acting like you're so special kind of thing? This is my <clears throat> rendition of it. And uh, they eventually God told Korah and his followers to... Uh, bring censers. They had, this would be incense censers, and stand before the uh, the presence of the Lord there, and uh, and they did, and they were consumed by the presence of God. That means they died. What does it mean when some Christian leader claims that we need to be consumed by God's presence? I don't even know what you're talking about. That's a pretty provocative message to go out there and say to young people, isn't it? Well, you know, I've seen that so many young people have been isolated by just doing video games, and I believe that young people... Now, this is true. Um, that is an absolute problem, but I don't think Planet Shakers would be the remedy that I would recommend. ...are a great uh, uh, people who can make a difference in our society. They ha can contribute to the life of uh, society in a powerful way, and if we can get young people having a vision for their life, and getting young people not young people getting a vision for their life huh not just consume with a box that gets them into a fantasy land but take them into a place where they can be in community to make a difference in a, a, a place where they can be in what in community uh-huh in their schools in their universities go on mission trips to be a part of church churches and other groups then they'll start living beyond themselves and not living a selfish existence but live an existence that's greater and, and do an impact great for, for the community. Sounds like uh, he's a communitarian to me, the way he's talking. Sam, the, the, the idea of people connecting with each other. Social scientists are saying that a lot of people are so tied to their electronic devices that they don't have any community with people, no touch, no feel. Is that Again, this is a, truly a problem, but Planet Shakers would be the last solution I would offer. What you're trying to break loose with young people and say, look, you gotta, you got to talk to some people with skin on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, these young people that we see today are, are lost. They don't have a vision for their lives. And that... Again, um... Non-Christians can have a vision for their lives. When did it become the Christian message that we need to have a vision for our lives? I thought the gospel was the good news that Christ died for our sins and rose again bodily from the grave. And he's calling all sinners, that would be me and you included, to repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Right, to believe and trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins. When did it become... The Christian message is all about being consumed in God's presence and having a vision for your life. I'm not familiar with this message. 
that's what we want to restore. We want to get young people, as Russell said, to get out of that fantasy world and get into reality, but also to see the significance of themselves, the gifts, the abilities that, that they can affect. The significance of themselves. When did this become the Christian message? to their world for the greater and so that's what we want to stir up in planet shakers that you can make a difference come on young person you you can make a difference that's not the great commission you know jesus all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me therefore go and make a difference this is a substitute artificial counterfeit message this isn't the christian message this is something else can do it. You know, I just love the term planet shakers. <laughs> it, it, it really does sort of indicate that you're asking young people to do something that's going to shake up the world. Yeah. Yeah. And based upon the false doctrine that they're getting there, I don't think that that shaking would necessarily be a good thing. You know, most young people I know, they want to shake up their parents. <laughs> and, and you're giving them a bigger vision than that. Shake up the whole world. Yeah. We once had things like the Peace Corps. Uh, we encourage young people to do something yes. unselfish. In a way, that's kind of where you're going with Planet Shakers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that this generation, they call them the millennials, actually want to do something. Yeah. They actually want to be a part of a cause to change the world, make poverty history, uh, to go into uh, different aspects of society and be the answer and not be the problem. And, and I think if we give young people a vision, you know, and see what they can be and see what they can do. Um, again, Christianity is about repentance and faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, not going and making a difference you can make a difference in the world without being a Christian, and you'll go to hell when your life is done. Literally, we can change this world. We can shake the planet for the good and uh, not for the bad. You guys have children of your own. Yes. How do you help your kids disconnect from electronics and all the devices that can yeah. enslave them <laughs> yeah. and, and to become what you're hoping all these young people will become? Yeah, I think it's... Um, you know, with my children, they have some devices that they play from time to time, but we have in our family, you can't be consumed with it. It's, yeah. it. it's not to be the whole part of your life. You know, let it be an enjoyment for an hour or so, but not, not go beyond that and, and get involved in life. Get involved in your youth group. Get involved in your church. Yeah, you know, I remember my son saying, I want to be the next LeBron James, and he's <laughs> playing NBA. Uh, and I, he said, I want to be the next LeBron James. I said, you know how you become the next LeBron? He goes, how, Dad? I said, get out on the court and shoot, 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 <laughs> run, 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 and it's called W-O-R-K, work. <laughs> and so we want to get... This is just common sense, and I understand there's a lot of kids out there who aren't doing this. Again, this isn't Christianity. This is just common, everyday sense Christianity is about a crucified and risen savior and sinners brought to repentance and faith and trust in Christ and him for the forgiveness of their sins and then bearing fruit in keeping with that repentance and bearing the fruits of the you know things like that sound out you, you familiar with the Bible I mean what is this young people 
activated because yeah. they've got energy, they've got yeah. vibrance. And, and with our children, I think uh, them being involved in our local youth group um, has been such a great thing. You know, uh, involved with the outreach programs, involved with the worship ministry, and seeing them flourish and, and uh, really go beyond what we actually could see. And you know, we're really proud of what they're doing. Well, that's exciting. And I, I'm looking forward to uh, what ought to be a great weekend next weekend in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, that would be this weekend. It started yesterday. Planet Shaker. Uh, Russell, Sam. Yeah, frightening stuff. And by the way, we're going to take a quick break here. But on the other side of the break, we're going to be listening to a sermon by Russell Evans of Planet Shakers, where he takes the story from Luke of uh, the story of of uh, Elizabeth and the Virgin Mary and makes it about you. He engages in narcissistic eisegesis, otherwise known as narcissegesis, and literally says that uh, that God wants to put a baby inside of you. No joke. doesn't matter if you're a dude or a girl. God wants to put a baby inside of you. So he's even allegorizing Christ, uh, the, the, you know, literally Jesus, the, the baby Jesus, and says that God wants you to be like the Virgin Mary and, and put a baby inside of you. Yep, it's absolutely true. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Sermon review from Russell Evans of Planet Shakers on the other side of the break. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Relevance Schmelevance. We preach Christ crucified for our sins. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough. Of this sissy, pansy, turning photo written music, you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. <laughs> the spring and summer travel seasons are just around the corner. And the last thing you want to do is pay more for your airfare, hotel, and rental car than you need to. That's why Pirate Christian Radio is proud to have Cheapo Air as one of our featured advertisers. Cheapo Air has over 18 million flight deals, low airfare guarantees, and 85,000 negotiated hotel rates around the globe. And if you visit our website, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, we have a promo code that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code, click on the web banner, and book your spring or summer travel today. And remember, 
A portion of your purchase at Cheapo Air will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That web address again is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Thank you for your support. I just doing, you might ask? Well, I just conquered the outer rim planet of Pico Pond with my trusty double-barreled nuclear plasma cannon. Well, I just did in this video game. But how is it possible for someone like myself to play 13 hours straight and not get a headache? It's quite simple, really. It's because I wear gunners. When I'm rocking these babies, I'm unstoppable. They're not limited to just games, mind you. Oh, no! I rock the spreadsheet, the PowerPoint, the word processor, and when that's all done, I hop my T-16 and fry me some toasters. If you want to get in on the action, then head over to piratechristianradio.com forward slash gunners. You gotta see it to believe it. Okay, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. Be listening to um, Russell Evans of Planet Shakers get an idea of what kind of a pastor he is. Does he rightly handle God's word? Does he proclaim Christ or does he teach you? Have you ever heard of anybody allegorizing Jesus? Well, you're about to hear somebody do it. Listen in. Let's do this right, though. Hang on. Hey, ho! The good, the bad, and, uh, well, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. Word Equal Opportunity Sermon Reviewing Service. Today's sermon comes to us via Planet Shakers, Melbourne, Australia. Russell Evans presiding, and the name of the sermon that we'll be reviewing is 2013, A Year of Breakthrough. The text for today's sermon, notice the question mark, uh, is coming from the Gospel of Luke, I think parts of chapter 1 and parts, well actually it's in chapter 1, all of it is in chapter 1. If you want to open up your Bible to the, uh, be ready, then you can do that. Again, let me point out that what you're about to hear is that he's going to take the story about Elizabeth and, well, the Virgin Mary, and basically make it about you rather than Christ. That's right. The great announcement that the Savior is to be born, well, we're going to allegorize Jesus, and he's, you're going to literally hear Russell Evans talk about God wants to place a baby inside of you. Yeah, these are not the messages of somebody who knows how to rightly handle God's word, but somebody who is completely clueless as to the fact that the Bible is about Jesus. Yeah, so without any further ado, let me kill the music here. Without any further ado, here is Russell Evans and his uh, sermon entitled 2013, A Year of Breakthrough. Here we go. speak to you just uh, briefly today on... 2013, a year of breakthrough, or a limitless year, or there's a baby in you. There's a baby in me. 
I'm a dude. Dudes don't have babies inside of them. So what are you talking about? Notice he picked up the limitless here too, because I mean, by the time he preached this a couple weeks ago, I mean, he was already looking forward to San Diego and their first um, conference revival in San Diego in the United States. Uh huh. But I guarantee you, unless you're a woman, and unless you are of, you know, of birthing age, and you've done certain things, um, there isn't a baby inside of you. And by the way, the biblical text that he'll be preaching from, from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, has nothing to do whatsoever about God wanting to put a baby inside of you. Notice, okay, what you're going to hear is Russell is going to literally allegorize Jesus. Rather than preach Jesus, he's going to make Jesus some kind of a breakthrough thing for Mary that God wanted to do in her life to bless her and give her favor. And God wants to place a baby inside of you, too. So now we're going to completely rob this story of what it's all about, and that's Christ. uh, That God is sending a Savior into the world. Yeah, I know. Let's continue. Rachel. <laughs> no, that, no, she's my wife's PA. She cannot have babies for five to fifteen years. <laughs> it's not a prophecy; it's just a commandment. Uh, <laughs> How many start a new, uh, you know, year in the Bible um, thing every start of every year? And even if you you didn't finish last year, you start again because. You want to do it in a year? Well, you can do two at the same time, so catch up with what you didn't do. And um, I want to encourage you to all do that. Do we read the Bible in a year? It's a good experience. So I'm in my new year of Bible reading, and um, and I go to Luke chapter 1. I, I like Luke 1 because um, the first book in every chapter is always a good book because it's a new book. It's a new chapter. And so there is Luke chapter 1. And verse 5 to 21, if you got your Bibles, if you haven't, it's not on the screen because I've been slack and I haven't given them enough time to get it up uh, on the screen. The, uh, Luke 1, 5, 21 says, The birth of John the Baptist foretold when King Herod was, when Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. Everyone say Zechariah. Zechariah means remembered of Jehovah. So he's a priest. He's a minister, and his name means remembered of Jehovah. And he, the Bible says he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth, everyone say Elizabeth, her name means oath of God. So you've got remembered of Jehovah and oath of God that are married, who was also from the priestly line of Aram. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes carefully to obey all that God's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. When the incense was burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. When Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. 
Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, and you know, that's it. The angel always has the opening statements. They just should hand out a card. Don't be afraid. Angel ministries. You look all through the Bible. Whenever an angel turns up, the very first statement is, don't be afraid. It's all right for the, the angel to say, but they've never seen an angel before. Don't be afraid. Zechariah, God heard your prayer. Remember, his name means remembered of Jehovah. Sometimes you and I go through seasons that we think that God's forgotten about us. We think that God is busy doing everything else, but I'm here to tell you that God never forgets you. In fact, he's intimately involved with you 24-7. Some of you have been believing for breakthroughs in certain areas, and you feel like, oh, I just give up on that and hope it happens. I'm here to tell you, 2013, there's a baby in you. A year of breakthrough. There is no baby inside of me. There never has been, never will be. Okay, notice what he's doing here. This is a text about, really, it's all about Christ. Okay, John the Baptist is the one prophesied in the Old Testament by Isaiah, by Malachi, who would be the forerunner of the promised Messiah, the, the one who was promised all the way back in the Garden of Eden, the one who would crush the head of the serpent, the one who would have his heel bruised in the process. The one Isaiah said would be pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. That's who is uh, who this is all about. But now you got Russell Evans of Planet Shakers saying that God's going to put a baby inside of you. This is absolute hermeneutical gobbledygook. It's 100% narcissistic nonsense. The story isn't about you. It's not about me. And God isn't going to put a baby inside of you. And well, At least that's not what this is talking about. You know, if you're a woman and you've done certain things, maybe God will. But the point is that this isn't about that. This is about something else. This is about your Savior coming into the world to bear your sins on the cross for you and to the, and rise again on the third day for your justification. This is about Christ. This text is, you, you aren't there. The angel didn't appear to you, nor is this text any kind of a promise that God is going to do something similar in your life. And again, notice what he's doing. By saying what he's saying, he is allegorizing Jesus. Now we don't even have a real a real savior. We just have an allegorical promise that God wants to put into your life. This text isn't about that. And what this man is doing is flat out, I'm going to say it because this is what it is. It's satanic. That's exactly how dangerous this is. A limitless year. It says, God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you'll name him John. And that was quite unusual because they used to name the kids after the fathers or after somebody in the family. So, you know, like Zechariah Jr. or or something. John was out of the ordinary. In fact, when John is born, that the relatives are around and they're they're saying, what's he going to be called? And and, and Elizabeth said he's going to be called John. And and they were like, what? This, This is just not in the family deal. 
And Zechariah says, no, his name will be called John because John had to be named John because he was anointed of God to do something amazing. See, what's in you is anointed of God to achieve something amazing for God. Uh, What are you talking about? What's in me is anointed of God. Where does the angel appear to me to tell me that what's inside of me is anointed of God? I mean, he does that so quick that... It's literally like the same technique that magicians use. Sleight of hand, okay? I mean, it happens literally within a breath or a blink, okay? If you weren't paying attention, you missed it. Watch what he does. I'm going to back this up a little bit. On one moment, he's talking about Zechariah and John, and no sooner does he talk about them that immediately he hijacks this text and makes it about you and some promise about you being anointed. There's no promise in this text regarding your life whatsoever. Listen. And Zechariah says, no, his name will be called John because John had to be named John because he was anointed of God to do something amazing. See, what's in you is anointed of God. To- what's in me is not mentioned in this text. This is, has nothing to do. See, you see how quickly he did that? To achieve something amazing for God. And he says, you'll have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he'll be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. And he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. This is a pretty powerful kid. Some of us have been waiting for breakthroughs for years and years and years. What he did, he did it again. This is a pretty powerful kid. And some of us, this text isn't about you at all. Yes, well, I'm here to tell you when your breakthrough come, it will be so powerful. You know, Elizabeth and Zechariah waited for years to have a child. But when they produced John, John was so powerful, he changed communities. See, sometimes when you travail or sometimes when you don't let go of something and you keep believing the very thing that you, you believe for and it takes a season to go through a place where you're beginning to be changed and challenged. Your, your faith is beginning to question and you're, and you're there, but you say, no, we're going to keep believing. This text isn't about me. It's not about you. It's not about Russell Evans. This text is about Christ the real anointed one, Jesus. And we're going to keep praying and we're going to keep pressing in and we're going to keep asking God and we're going to keep faithful and we're going to keep saying yes to the Lord. When that thing is produced, my goodness. I say to my children all the time, you don't appreciate what you got. You got it so easy these days. When I was a kid, I used to walk to school. Now you just turn on the computer because you got homeschool. My dad used to say, Russell, you don't know how easy you've got it. When I was a kid, I used to walk five miles to school. Now you only have to walk 500 meters. But I've discovered that something that you keep believing for and you keep pressing in for, you appreciate it more. It says this, 
He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, now here, here's the deal that, 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 you know, Zechariah, here's your answer. Here's the very thing you've been asking God for. He turns up, says, don't be afraid. You're afraid. So obviously he knew he was an angel. Because if he wasn't an angel, he wouldn't be afraid. Wasn't just like, hey, it's just one of the priests. Because if he knew another priest was in there, they'd be dead because they hadn't been set up to go into the inner, inner courtroom, in a court, into the Holy of Holies. And so it's an angel. It's somebody who has powerful, it's a messenger from God. What was? It, what is an angel? It's somebody who brings a message from the throne room of God. Hmm. And he's there and he says, you're going to have a son. The thing. You've been believing for. And Zechariah says, how can I be sure this will happen? Like Zechariah, come here, man. Time out. Coach Russell bringing you out. Zechariah, it's angel. We're in the Holy of Holies. No man can come in except presented as a priest before the Lord. You've done that, but he ain't done that. He's always in the presence of the Lord. He knows your stuff, dude. Come here. Sorry about the headbutt. It's just a wake-up call. He says, how can this, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man. So now we have the angel Gabriel headbutting Zechariah. That's not in the text either. Man now, and my wife is well along in years. They've been praying and they've been faithful, but they still didn't believe. Because if they believed, he'd gone. If he had believed, he'd gone. Yes, he said. Then the angel said, "I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God." It, it, Gabriel wouldn't go. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Fire, fire, shit. You know, an angel's got to have a. I'm Gabriel. How do you listen to angels when you say, you know, you know angels are, oh, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I could get lost in this moment just now. He says, he has sent me to bring you this good news, but now since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will be certainly fulfilled at the proper time. See, here's a, here's a story here that I just want to look at a few moments, and we're going to go on to the next story in this chapter. But you notice the first thing, that Elizabeth and Zechariah were faithful. They were faithful. That was Something that they could have control over. Something that they could do. See, faithfulness is not what somebody else does. It's what you do. They were faithful. They were faithful to God. They kept his commandments. They kept his ordinance. They were faithful. That was what they could control. But she was barren. It was outside of their control. See, they You know, words actually mean things, Okay. 
And his pointing out that they were faithful is not what Luke records. And what Luke records is theologically precise. What he's saying is against the precision that the Gospel of Luke records this with and is contrary to sound biblical doctrine. Let me explain. Here's what it says. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous, D-K-I-O, before God. Okay? Now, here's the thing. If you are a repentant believer who trusts in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins... You, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, are righteous before God. Notice it doesn't say that they were faithful. It says that they were righteous before God. In other words, they, like Abraham, they, like David, they, like all of the believers of the Old Testament, were righteous by faith. God reckoned their belief as righteousness. This is what Scripture says, okay? I would point you to, uh, for instance, let me, in fact, let me go ahead and pull this up real quick. In uh, the Romans chapter 4, okay, this is an important point that the Apostle Paul makes in Romans chapter 4, 4 regarding righteousness. So what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, Old Testament, right? According to the flesh, if Abraham was justified, that means to be declared righteous by works, well, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? It says, quote, Abraham believed God and it was counted or credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies or declares righteous, the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. You see what's happening here? They, you know, Abraham was righteous before the Lord because God reckoned his faith, his belief as righteousness. That's how we all are reckoned righteous too. Okay. We are DKO, justified, declared righteous by faith, just like Abraham and Zechariah was the same as well. And what Russell Evans here is saying is, is, oh, they were faithful. That was their part. That's not what this text says. This text says that they, you know, that Zechariah were righteous before God. Not that they were righteous in themselves. They were righteous before God. In other words, God credited their faith as righteousness the same way he credited it to Abraham, the same way he credited it to David, the same way he credits it to us, right? Okay. And they were walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Now, this is kind of a little bit more precise. Again, this is very precise language. And uh, the particular word here, amemptoi, blameless, is referring to their walk before their neighbors, before humanity. So in this text, we learn that Elizabeth and Zechariah were reckoned righteous. They were righteous before God and blameless in the commandments as it relates to their relationships with others. This is both a horizontal, uh, horizontal and vertical look 
at them. But it doesn't say that they were faithful. Okay? Now, listen, the imprecision that you're listening to from Russell Evans really matters. It truly matters. As the uh, Church Father Jerome pointed out, that imprecision doctrinally is the mother of heresy. This is a flat-out true statement. Imprecision is the mother of heresy. And what Russell Evans is doing here, not only is he allegorizing Jesus, okay, and, and John the Baptist, too, you know, um, he's being imprecise with what the text says. This is not how a careful exegete handles God's word. Let me back this up so you can kind of hear what, he, what it is that he's up to at this point. You do. They were faithful. They were faithful to God. They kept his commandments. They kept his ordinance. They were faithful. That was what they could control. But she was barren. It was outside of their control. See, there's things in life I've discovered that you can control. You can have an, you can be in, you know, I can deal with that attitude. I can deal with that. But there are things in life that sometimes are out of your control. Sometimes you're, you're there and you're barren. That word barren means to be sterile or the unable to produce. Maybe you've been barren in your health. Maybe in your job you've been barren. Maybe in peace you've been barren. Again, now he's allegorizing her barrenness so that he can make it about you. No, she was literally barren. She literally couldn't bear children. That's what this text is saying. This has nothing to do with you being, quote, barren in an allegorical way. This is narcissistic eisegesis. Maybe in relationships or children or family, to be, you've been barren. Maybe you've been in a barren situation. It's out of your control. What do you do? They were barren. The other thing that was out of their control was they were old. I'm old, he said. I'm old. They're barren and they're old. They're faithful. They can control that. They've been faithful. They're barren outside their control and they're old outside their control. There they are and the Bible says that they were praying. That was in their control. So they can be faithful and they can pray. They're barren outside their control. Oldness outside their control. But they could pray for a breakthrough. They had an encounter with the promise of God. They positioned themselves for an encounter with God. No, they didn't. They positioned themselves for an encounter with God. Are you not familiar with the fact that for hundred years had gone by since the close of the Old Testament and this particular event, 400 years God has been silent. Them claiming that they were positioning themselves for a breakthrough or whatever, flat out, flat out, um, is completely contrary to the historical context to what this text actually says. You're inserting things into this text that aren't there. You're allegorizing all of the important people and making this about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. But which was in their control? 
2013, let me encourage you, be faithful. Let me encourage you, pray without ceasing. Let me encourage you, position yourself to encounter a promise or the answer. To- position yourself to encounter a promise. In other words, promises are by works. You have to earn them. The Bible doesn't teach this. To a promise. This year, 2013, this is what Zechariah did. He doubted and spoke negatively. That was in his control. Let 2013 be a year that you control your speech. Because I'd hate for God to shut your voice down. I I mean, I can't believe he just said that. Learn to control your speech because I would hate for God to shut your voice down. This... Nowhere in this text is God threatening to silence you because that's not what this text is about. It's about good news, the birth of your Savior. That's what this text is about, not some threat of God silencing you if you have negative thoughts. Wow. I sit at home sometimes and I say something about a situation and Sam goes, no. I'm like, what do you mean? We're not declaring that. Your words have life. I'm like, yes, I know that. Oh, here we go again. It's it's the Patricia King-like theology. This is the witchcraft part again. But I want to say something negative right now. Because my flesh wants to say it, and in my flesh wants to say it, I know to say it. You don't need to say it. When you're driving down the road and, and the car's slow in front of you, you don't need to say... You challenged person who has great potential to go faster. (laughs) You don't need to say, well, that's never going to get better. I'm amazed that people can stand in the presence of God Almighty, God Almighty, Almighty, God Almighty, new teeth, um, God Almighty, and you can be in his presence and then walk out of his presence and you speak. It's in your control, what you say in 2013. It's in my control. We speak blessing and favor and prosperity and peace and joy. We speak to mountains and we tell them to be removed. So in other words, we we don't live in la-la land and pretend that things aren't you know, you know, if there's sickness there, it's sickness there. But then we speak the word of God into sickness. There might be a marriage breakdown. Well, we'll speak restoration into where there's been a breakdown. The Bible doesn't teach this. Again, this is the same theology as the false theology of Patricia King. And it brings us back to this. Laguna, Macoides, Nothing happened. Am I doing something wrong? Well, to tell you the truth, it does seem a bit old-fashioned. After all, we are in the 20th century. What do you suggest? Well, it needs rhythm, tempo, music. As I always say, do it with a flair. Uh, do you mind if I have a go? Oh, of course not. Now, come along, you lot. We need all the help we can get. Tracuna, Macquadis, Tracorum, Satis, D. Tracuna, Macquadis. 
Yeah, I think you get the point. Yeah, this is what he's describing is not biblical. It's witchcraft. Completely different thing altogether. There might be a lack. We speak blessing where there's been lack. You see, what you set up in your life is declared through your mouth. That's why you've got to be careful of the people you let speak into your ear. Because they carry a spirit. People carry a spirit. Again, the Bible doesn't teach this. When you look at the verses that he claims teach this, and you put them back in context using a good translation, they evaporate. They disappear like a mirage in the desert. What he's teaching you is not biblical prayer nor how you're supposed to ask God to rescue you. Notice, there's no repentance. There's no forgiveness of sins. There's no on your knees, humbling yourself before your God, petitioning Him, and literally asking Him and beseeching Him and entreating Him that He would come to your aid and rescue. No, it's you standing up and magically declaring I'm going to speak to this I'm going to whatever to that and what this is not biblical this is flat out narcissistic arrogant prideful tomfoolery that will lend, land you in hell if you practice this and believe this and you carry a negative spirit that's what you're going to hear negativity neg- and it's not just hearing their words it's, it's ca- hearing the spirit behind what they say that's why the Bible says bad company corrupts. You might be a good person, but in bad company. Well, before long, it will corrupt. So you've got to make sure you position yourself. It's- and the scriptures make it clear, none is righteous, not even one. It's in your control in 2013 to position yourself. It's in your control to not doubt, but to speak positively. Is is Zechariah? He's he can't speak for for nine months, <laughs> and until the baby's born, he then when he speaks, he prophesies. First thing he says, no, his name will be called John, and then he prophesies because over the nine month period, he understood that God didn't lie, that God didn't set him up to fail, but God actually set him up to speak blessing and speak favor and speak prosperity and speak the future of the kingdom. But then it goes on into another angel encounter in Luke chapter 1. It says in in verse 26, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Gabriel had a busy time. Hadn't been to earth for a while, 400 years he hadn't been to earth for. At least. No one had heard from God for 400 years. And now all of a sudden an angel turns up and speaks to Zechariah and then he speaks six months later to Mary, a virgin named Mary. She wasn't an airline, she was a person. Some of you go, what does that mean? There's an airline called Virgin Australia. Just um, Some of you go, oh, I got it. Um, A virgin named Mary. 
she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. (laughs) Greetings, favored woman. She's like, what? The Bible says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. (laughs) What did the angel say? Don't be afraid, Mary. Like, dude, could you come up with another line? Like, fear not. Oh, I hope I come up with the line in a minute because I look stupid because I can't think of one. <laughs> New Year. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. And the angel told her, for you have found favor. Everyone say favor. Americans spell favor F-A-V-O-R. Australians who speak the Queen's English because English is what Americans speak, not American. It's called English. So they should spell like the English spell. Just want to note that. If you're American, God bless you. Come and join how it's supposed to be spelled. Favour is spelled in Australia and England... F-A-V-O-U-R. So, because God wants to put you in favor. So then... Really nice little trick. See, we spell it properly because God wants to put you in favor. Okay. What do you mean by that? What does scripture say? Can you show me a Bible passage that says that? Because scripture does teach of God's favor. It does. But it's never discussed apart from Christ and him crucified for our sins. It's never discussed apart from God's mercy and forgiveness. You see, as the psalmist said, O Lord, if you kept a record of wrongs, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Now, if there's an unbeliever there at Planet Shakers listening to this message and they want to hear, oh, God wants to put me in favor and they're not hearing about the cross and the need for them to believe and receive Christ's forgiveness, then there's a big problem because they're being told God wants to give them favor apart from faith and trust in Christ. That's not what the scriptures teach becomes our favor because God wants to bless you so you can bless me. And he wants to bless me so I can bless you. What? God wants to bless you so I can... God wants to bless me so I can bless you? What? You. And he wants to bless... So all of a sudden God brings favor to a, a virgin to release a baby who would bring a blessing to bring the kingdom of God to bring salvation and freedom and life and joy and peace and the way of the kingdom. So he brought favor, not just to her personally, but favor becomes ours because God puts you in favor. He doesn't go all favor. Thank you, Mr. American. (laughs) It says, you are highly favored and found favor with God. You will conceive 
and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestors of David and he'll reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary asks. Now Mary's not asking out of a negative mindset. She's just practical. She says, uh, Angel, but how can this happen? Because I'm a virgin. Good question. Biology says you need a seed to be planted in an egg to produce a child. If no seed has been put in an egg, there is no child. So, yes, I'm going to produce the Son of God, but how? Good question. She's not cynical. She's not negative. She says, how? I am the Lord's servant. (laughs) She says, but how? And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby will be born, will be holy and he'll be called the, the Son of God. That's what's more. Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say, Who's the story about? Jesus. This is the story of how the birth of the Son of God came about. This is some very important and deep theology about Christ. It's not about you, and it's not certainly about me. She was barren, but she conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. The Bible says that that later on, I think I got it here, uh, later on that the Holy Spirit came and impregnated her and she produced a son. So the Holy Spirit has the ability to bring seed to where there's barrenness. He has the ability to bring seed where there is no life. He has the ability to bring seed into every situation. It's 2013. It's- to bring seed into every situation. This is not about every situation. This is about a specific situation at a specific time in specific history. It's about Christ. And this was all done for us. This is not about anything that's going to be done to us. It's a limitless year and there's a baby in you. There's a baby. in. No, there isn't. There isn't. There is no baby inside of me. You can go and get an ultrasound machine and you can scan me from toe, from toe to head and you will not find a baby inside of me. Nope. And if you're a dude, there's no baby inside of you either. And notice what he's done here. He's allegorized the Son of God and made it about some breakthrough or dream for your life. This is utter satanic blasphemy. Hmm. See, see, the Bible says this. So this, so the baby, uh, for nothing is impossible. Listen to Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. See, Mary was an ordinary girl minding her own business engaged to be married. 
She wasn't even looking for a miracle. See, there's people here that are barren that you're looking for. Let me read to you from the beginning of Luke chapter 1. Luke actually explains why he wrote this. Here's what it says. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. You see, Luke didn't write this about you. He wrote this so that that Theophilus and you and I would be certain regarding the testimony of Christ because his story is the important story. This isn't about some dream or baby that wants to stick inside of you. Far from it. This is about God wanting to save you from the fires of hell and stepping into human history himself. God has now just entered human history. Born of the virgin, born under the law, born to save those under sin, you and I. Born to die on the cross. Born to rise again bodily from the grave on the third day. This is all about him. By making this about you, you are committing utter blasphemy and missing the whole point. And this is what this reading, so so called biblical te- uh, preaching on this, totally misses the point, and it does so in a way that is satanically dangerous. You read the Bible like this to your own eternal peril for a miracle in certain areas of your life. But there's other people here and everything's going good. 2013 is a year of limitless favor. See, God wants to impregnate you and give you dreams and visions and, and, and fulfill. No, he doesn't. God does not want to impregnate me and he doesn't want to give me dreams and visions. Again, I'm a dude. That's just a creepy sentence that you just gave. Moments of visions and dreams that you didn't even expect. You're just minding your own business. And such is the favor of God on your life. Such is how good dad is to you. He says, I'm going to give you something so powerful that you weren't even expecting it. But I turned up. There are others who you're barren and you've been believing. You've been asking God and you've got, you've been faithful. You kept praying and you kept believing and you got, and you positioned yourself for your breakthrough and positioned yourself for your miracle. And and there it is. And, and, and so amazing things happen and you have your breakthrough. Others, you're just walking through life and you have supernatural provision you didn't even expect. I love the story about the guy who was, um, you know, put into Jesus in the house. You know, they lowered him, um, lowered him through the roof. And, and he, said, he said to the guy, well, what do you want? And he says, well, I've come to basically be healed. He says, well, your sins are forgiven. And he said, oh, oh, by the way, get up from the mat, you're healed. See, here's, here's an amazing picture of he was wanting a breakthrough in one area. He got that. But God is so good that he gave him a breakthrough he wasn't even expecting. He gave him such a blessing that he wasn't expecting. I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit put on my heart this year. There's people here and you've been barren in situations. So God put this on your heart. There's people who've been barren in situations. Based upon your complete mishandling of God's word, 
and you allegorizing John the Baptist and Jesus, that shows that you are a false teacher. And that means that whoever spoke to your heart, the one person I know for a fact that it wasn't, is actually the God of the Bible. In your life, but you've kept faithful, you kept praying, you got your speech right, you got in the right position, and God is going to birth in you something so amazing that... No, God is not going to birth anything in me. People are going to prophesy the greatness of God that has come through that breakthrough for you because God is... No, they're not. Again, you've allegorized John the Baptist and Jesus. Faithful and he who has given you a promise will bring it to pass. And he said yes, and we say amen, and God turns up. But there's other people. You're just walking through life, blessed of God, and there's going to come a blessing on you that you are unexpected for, but it's unexpected blessing, and you're going to go, whatever you want me to do. Just because you're yelling doesn't make this true. I'll do. She wasn't expecting a promise from God. She hadn't asked for a promise. But she was highly favored. I'm here to tell you today, if you're God's children, you're highly favored. My Bible says, if God be for me, who can be against me? My Bible says that that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My Bible says that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Oh, man. Talk about the litany of narcissism. Good night. My Bible says that, 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 that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My Bible says that I can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. My Bible says that I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the field. My Bible says that all things work together for good. All of these passages ripped out of context. Now, there are some of these passages that truly are applied to Christians. But the way he's ripped them all out of context, strung them together, who's the emphasis on? It's on you. In other words, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. It's not on Christ. It's on you. That is a problem. To those that love him. You see, God is a good God. He wants to bless you. He says, you're highly favored. Why? Because Jesus lives in you and he is favor. Favor isn't stuff. Favor isn't things. Favor is Jesus. And if you have favor, if you have Jesus, you have favor. A limitless year. Sign me up for that, Jesus. The Jesus who wants to give me stuff. Wow. And birth? I don't know if I want that, Jesus. Yeah, sorry. I Number one, I don't like praise songs that turn Jesus into my bearded girlfriend. And the other thing I definitely don't like is the idea of Jesus impregnating me. Just talk about ultra creepy Jesus. Yeah, that's not any kind of Jesus I want to have anything to do with. I don't want that one touching me. There's a baby in you. You don't even realize it. You're about to birth something amazing. <laughs> what I loved about Mary is she, she is confused but believes. There's times in your life that God starts doing stuff and you're confused. What is he doing? But you believe. And then he goes, Look. Believe what? And you go, wow. And you're so impressed, you say it backwards. Wow. I've used that line so many times, and I still get a laugh. Thank you for your kindness. Oh, they're all the new people that come. 
She's confused but believes. Her confession is in line with her promise. 2013. Discipline your confession. So notice Mary is just held up as the ultimate example of the person who disciplined herself in, so that she can position herself for a promise and a breakthrough. Oh, wow. Talk about utterly missing the point. To line up with your promise. Oh, yeah, but Russell, I, 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 you know, I just got to be real. We'll get your reality in kingdom reality. Real. My mum died of cancer two years ago. That was real. She died. The truth is, by his stripes we are healed. So my reality comes into kingdom reality, so I don't go, well, I better make an excuse for God that he doesn't heal. He heals some, but doesn't heal others. No. Kingdom reality, he heals all our diseases. He, he saves all our sins. He, there's not one thing that God cannot do. So I've got to make sure my confession lines up. Yes, my mum's in heaven. She's healed anyway. Yes, she's in a better place. I'm sad that she's gone. But I've got to get my confession in line. With my promise. This is the word of faith heresy. That's what this is. We don't have a property. Yes, God, but we will have a property. God, uh, my, my, uh, I'm struggling in finances. God, you've, you said that you want to bless me. You want to provide for me. You, you look after my needs according to your riches and glory. Oh, God, I haven't been able to have children. Oh, but God, you've given me seed, the ability to produce. So I get my confession in line with your promise that you said to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. So I take... Be fruitful and multiply? Yeah, you know what that's talking about, don't you? Yeah, it starts with an S, begins with an X. You know, it usually produces children. Hoy. Take dominion over this sickness, and I declare fruitful and multiplication. Get your confession. You declare declare fruitful multiplication and dominion over sickness. <laughs> that is just one of the most absurd things I've ever heard anybody say, and I've heard some pretty big whoppers. Confession in line with your promise. Let me encourage you to get a book um, by Joel Osteen called I Declare. I think we're going to give it to all our volunteers. Uh, no, whatever you do, don't get that book. And if you own it, burn it. Yeah, you don't want to accidentally have it fall into the hands of an unsuspecting friend or neighbor. That's flat-out heresy and witchcraft. So you need to become a volunteer to get a free book. Um, I declare and do 31 days of declaration over your life. Get your confession in line with your promise. And she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Would this year we encounter the Holy Spirit that we get things birthed in us that bring such a blessing? You know, Jesus coming, the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary and she becoming pregnant. And out of that pregnancy, she birthed the Savior of the world. Out of our encounters with the Holy Spirit, we birth kingdom breakthroughs, not just for us. There isn't a single passage in Scripture that says that. Not one. And on top of it, this is so new and novel, this has never been taught in the history of Christianity until very, very recently. This is flat-out heresy. 
for us, but favor for other people. So because of the Holy Spirit encounter she had, the blind man who was on the side had begun to call out to Jesus and he, 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 his eyes were open and he then became a follower of Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood that went and touched the hem of his garment was made well. Why? Because Mary had an encounter with the Holy Spirit which birthed the Messiah. Your encounters set up blessing for other people. This is flat out nonsense. She had an encounter. See, Matthew 1, I was trying to find the scripture before. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So people who are believing for a breakthrough and being asking God for breakthrough and favor, there's a baby in you. No there isn't. And if you think that there is a spiritual baby inside of you, this is the one and only time that I think that abortion is flat out justified. You don't want that thing to be birthed. It is literally a little demon that is being birthed. Abort it. People who have been do- doing life just living life, the supernatural favor coming, that you will be surprised, you'll be confused, and you have confessing that nothing is impossible to those who believe. Let let this year be a year of belief. Shut the mouth of doubt and open the mouth of agreement. All right, so that was the so-called sermon uh, entitled 2013, A Year of Breakthrough, where both John the Baptist and Jesus were allegorized and flat-out nonsense, flat-out nonsense was proclaimed rather than proclaiming Christ and him crucified for our sins. It's absolute nonsense to say that God the Holy Spirit wants to impregnate you with a baby. You're not the Virgin Mary. I'm not the Virgin Mary. And thank God (laughs) that I'm not the Virgin Mary. This is just bizarre, crazy, undisciplined, unbiblical, flat-out, narcissistic, Bible-twisting, grounded in the word of faith heresy. And that's what's on parade and being premiered and foisted upon the kids of San Diego this weekend at the Limitless Conference. They're being literally deceived by the devil. Pray that Christ and God's Spirit wakes these kids up to the very danger that they are in because they are in deep danger. What they're going to hear, if they think this is from God the Holy Spirit, then they have got another thing coming. They are being deceived and in danger of the fires of hell through the wiles and deceit of Satan. It's literally what's going on. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till Monday, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>